You only have power over people so long as you don't take everything away from them. But when you've robbed a man of everything, he's no longer in your power. He's free again. Hello and welcome to episode 262 of Under the Call of MS. Today is a normal Tuesday episode, some comics, some multiple sclerosis stuff. It's going to be a fun one today. It's just it's stuff I like to talk about a lot. So we're going to go over it, learn some things, hopefully, and hopefully it'll be an enjoyable episode for you to listen to too. That starting quote was a quote by Alexandra Solanitsin. I'm not sure who that is, but that is a quote that all the damn governments in the world should listen to. <laughs> Maybe understand that if you keep taking everything away from us, eventually we won't have nothing to lose. So get your heads out of your ass and start working with the people before the people and quit being against your people. All right. Let's get away from that crap. We don't want to get into political shit today. Today we're going to talk about something that I just recently learned about Darkhawk. Doing a new volume, new run. And the artist that's part of this run is has multiple sclerosis. So that caught my ear and it's a character i never was really big on because i just didn't really like the look of the character in the past wasn't a really fan of it i don't know just uh i don't mind the rest of the suit i like the claws i like the wings all that stuff i just never understood why you'd have a helmet with a beak on it back in the day but they've advanced so things have gotten better over the years But starting out with this, I heard about that, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to check it out. It's like, there's a purpose that they're bringing Darkhawk back. Anytime they're bringing a character back that's been gone for a while, there's usually a purpose behind it. So I'm hoping maybe by chance that this character is going to be making a appearance in the Marvel Universe uh, movie, TV world eventually in the future. But in here, we have well. Let's just start with synopsis. From I'm going to talk about issue one and issue two. Issue one, there's a little synopsis. No one knew where the amulet came from, or why it appeared in the ruins of the old amusement park. All Chris Powell knew was that when he grasped it and concentrated, he was transformed into a being of great power. And he swore to use that power as the edge against crime. This first story is kind of broke up into a variety of different uh, storylines put into one whole story. Uh, they broke it up into three, uh, basically, basically three stories put into one, but it flows as one story. They got Cry of the City, Long Way From Home, and Last Flight. 
there's a variety of writer, artists, and colorists that are all part of this. First issue, and we get to see basically what I took from it, that this was the original Darkhawk, and we get to see the kind of like where he came from, what he dealt with in the beginning, some people in his life we get to meet. Uh, he's on Earth. He's got the power. There's another character that's also a heavier armored type character that's also a hero for the people, if you want to call it that. But he takes things into his own hands a little too far sometimes, and that's what Darkhawk doesn't like. He doesn't feel anybody should be put in harm or killed. And another one of those dumb, dumb superhero thoughts about not taking out the bad guy and leaving the bad guy live, even though the bad guys sit there and have no problem killing tons of innocent people. So I think that that philosophy is always stupid, but hey, who am I to say I'm not the one writing or drawing these? Comics, uh, let's go by what I read. And we get to see this. these two characters deal with some issues. They know each other. They get along to an extent. And uh, they, have to, they go through a little fight throughout this issue. And we get to find out some things about their past and what's going on with why those two characters are both on the same side of the law, but yet a little bit different. So that was interesting. And then we get into more of an alien, uh, where the character, the Darkhawk character, is off in space, dealing with a bunch of aliens, kind of like in a Star Wars cantina atmosphere. (laughs) Just a bunch of different characters. And, of course, they're not really thrilled with this weird human that's in their, their environment. But we get to see them deal with them and some problems become from it and he has to deal with it and we go from here on into deeper space and he's dealing with or seeing what he's dealt with through time we get some play on that and we see him dealing with some type of space entity and from this, some disaster happens, and he sends his little crystal off through space to find the next person to take over the Dark Hawk power. So, the first issue is nice because it gives you that basis, gives you the whole, well, not the whole uh, concept of who Dark Hawk was in the past. And who, and what he did in the end, before they came to this next volume to start a whole new storyline, uh, it was nice. Yeah, it gives you that little kickback, gives you the concept for a character that many people never heard of or know, or uh, it's very rarely will you hear that type of name. But then we jump into Darkhawk Two which starts with a synopsis 
Previously, Connor Young is a 17-year-old star basketball player with the whole world ahead of him. That is, until he is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Now, Connor struggles with what this means for his future. Perhaps not the right time to receive a mysterious and powerful amulet that transforms him into an armored superhuman. And in here we have Juanan Ramirez, I believe, is the artist who has multiple sclerosis that's working with this book. And Kyle Higgins is the writer. We have the colors done by Eric Arsenega. And letterings done by UC's Travis Lanham. Uh, of course, there's I'm sure there's a variety of different covers done like they do with a lot of different comics. But in here we get to see a kid in Woodland Heights, Bronx, New York, just getting this gem and this gemstone and it. He's learning about the transformation and stuff, and he's just getting the feel of things and trying to figure this out. But he has to deal with real life, where it gives us the home atmosphere of this person, this younger person that developed multiple sclerosis and is stuck with this disease and has to deal with all the wonderful things that come along with it. And you see him setting himself up for his first-time injections, which many of us know, getting a wonderful DM disease-modifying therapy or disease-modifying drug, a DMT or DMD. And he's using a little vial to extract the fluids into his needle, and so I'm not exactly sure which one he's running off of, uh, I mean, this could have been based off the earlier days of multiple sclerosis before they got the pre-filled needles and all that that we can get from, like, Copaxo and stuff like that nowadays. But he's dealing with that. Can't stand that he's got to inject himself, has to get himself ready for it, and his dad gets a phone call, and the son's like, just take care of it. We'll deal with this after you're done. And while his dad's on the phone, Connor sits there and kind of just basically gets his knee already, deals with it. And, of course, the wonderful flare-up pains and stuff like that you deal with after you inject yourself. And he goes walking off and he, he has a spasticity type attack in his leg and has a ton of problems, just falls to the ground. It's nice because you get to see the agony he's going through. It's not nice in a good way. It's nice because it's being shown that, hey, and we deal with an invisible disease, but there's a lot of bullshit that comes with it that nobody knows about. Very few people know about. They don't get to see the back the background 
effects of what we deal with. Many of us, not all of us. Yes, I know there are people out there that ate a carrot for breakfast and nothing else for two weeks and they feel great and whatever. I don't want to hear it. There are some of us that suffer. <laughs> I know. I'll give you the fucking pain if you want. You can have it all. But yeah, throughout this, he's got his little buddy. It's hanging out with him, wanting him to buy these fancy shoes and there's some expensive ass shoes and he can't afford that because he's got to deal with his medications now and all that stuff. So he's more worried about that. See these characters going on, go through school and some things happen with some people after school that steal their shoes and we get to see the dark hawks reveal himself and things happen I can't give any of that away because there's a lot of stuff that happens that if I say it, any certain word, it's just going to blow things out of proportion. But I was very happy with this. I was not expecting that to care about this at all. I was not going to get into this run at all. Didn't even know they did a second volume. I uh, have some of the first volume, but never, never read them yet. <laughs> so now I want to find them and, check them out it's like only 10 minutes in and i already got that stupid vibration going through my ear and stabbing me right in the middle of the eardrum every time every word i say everything just reverberates off it vibrates off it and you get stabbed right at the end of it and it's like i don't know what what the heck is causing this i gotta get into my ear doctor ear nose and throat doctor and get that looked at pretty damn soon here but Oh, yeah, my teeth getting my teeth for the five hundredth time tomorrow. Supposedly getting teeth again, and then I think next week or the week after I get to see my MS specialist finally for the follow up from the Maven Cloud, so I can get my blood test taken and find out how bad, bad or good my body's responding to. Losing all a bunch of my good cells. Well, they should be good, but they're bad for me. Out of my body. But Then we went and checked out Cinnamon, number three. I believe this is the final one. I'm pretty sure this was just a three-issue comic. But this thing could keep going, because this is a lot of fun. And if you don't remember, it's about a girl who picked up a cat she introduced her cat to her house the cat and her had a bunch of issues with things getting destroyed and stuff so she worked around and she's like well the cat's all feisty let's get it some catnip <laughs> that wasn't smart because <laughs> now the cat's extra <laughs> feisty and then more things get broken and dealt with until she goes and gets a laser pointer and then the laser pointer ends up Working the cat up, getting the cat worked out pretty good and wears the cat down, but yet the cat gets nothing from it in the end. And some things happen with the cat and the goldfish if you that you have to check out in the past. But then this one starts out with the girl, the cat's owner, sitting with a friend, having brunch or breakfast or something like that, coffee and donuts, it looks like maybe. 
And she's talking about the laser pointer, how it worked out so great, and Cinnamon the cat went nuts for it and had a blast. But Cinnamon's still kind of frustrated doing things, scratching away at certain things and stuff. Because, as her friend explains, the Cinnamon's probably still looking for the laser. Trying to find out where it went. Where did that critter go that I was chasing after? So, her friend gives her the suggestion. You have to have an endpoint when you play with a laser. It's like, I never even thought about this. So, I'd play with the laser on the wall or something like that. And not even think about it. But if you're smart and you don't want to be a dick to your animal. <laughs> like a friend of mine, this... This last weekend that we stopped by, they have a dog that goes crazy for the laser pointer, but the dog just just runs all over the house destroying it and looking for the laser. But if you're smart, end it. End your little laser play session with the laser landing on some type of toy or something that the cat can pounce on and attack or the dog or whatever. And so it gives it a final ending that, hey, I took it down. It's dead. It's gone. Gives them some satisfaction. So that was a cool little learning lesson there. But that is never really thought about. I wasn't thinking about their feelings. But it makes a ton of sense because they never look satisfied. It's they're, they're still looking for that damn thing It's that they never got a hold of. It's like, how did it come here, distract me, attack me, and then just disappeared into nowhere? So. So we get to see the fun little mental games where we see these giant cat suits and all this stuff. She goes and picks up this bun-bun toy for Cinnamon. And mentally, Cinnamon turns it into like a giant evil robot. And you see Cinnamon sitting at, in a cat tavern talking to the bartender, which is a spider. <laughs> and Cinnamon's just sitting there just all disappointed, head down on the bar, just <laughs> having his three fingers of milk or whatever he'd drink at the bar. But while well, he's talking to the spider, and the spider's trying to help him out. And, and Simmons' owner comes and says, hey, buddy, I pushed you a little too far with the laser pointer. I get it. Let's sit there and give you some satisfaction. She pops open this box and what the cat sees from the box is a set of uh, rocket boots is what he's mentally imaging. So you get to see this and the laser comes out and the cat's like, okay, game's on. We're doing this. I'm going to catch your ass this time. And she just goes nuts. And he's in catnip overdrive. and <clears throat> Excuse me. Having a blast with the laser, chasing it all over. And she gives him the satisfaction of ending the laser with the the new toy that she bought him. But I'm not going to talk about all the stuff. There's a bunch of stuff that happens throughout the storyline in between this. But it's just, it was awesome. It was, uh, I'm assuming this is the ending to this story. This run, which it gives it a good, good, complete, completed segment but they she could go on with this for a long time uh let's see 
Uh, nah, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, in the back, they have a cinnamon toast. I don't know why they call it cinnamon toast aqua de toilet. <laughs> but your cat, I mean, certain animals, it's like you put a bowl of water out, they don't care about it. They go to the toilet, give them some sparkling water, something special, special type of water. They go right back to the toilet and just. It's just funny because then at the end, she's just screaming, get out of the toilet! <laughs> because the cat just keeps going back to drink out of the toilet. She was pretty nasty. <laughs> but, eh, they lick things too. So, But that was a blast. And if you like cats, if you're a cat owner, you'll get a kick out of this. Definitely fun. Little run. Three issues. That's not bad. You can afford to Jump into a little three-issue comic if you're a cat lover. But check that out. That was a lot of fun. <clears throat> and then I found a few more Gwenpool, unbelievable Gwenpool comics, number four, number eight, and number nine. It gives me a little heads up on the whole ordeal with her and Modoc. More of what was going on with that because the Last issues I talked about, she was talking about dealing with Modoc, but we didn't get to see it because I didn't have those issues at the time. But this way I got to learn more about what's going on with all that stuff. And then we get to see her doing training With some characters and this little group that she's part of now with the computer geek, the uh, Bat Rock, which just the Bat Rock character just cracks me up. But he's trying to train Gwen to fight more. Uh, Computer geek takes care of all that type of stuff. And then you got the Enchanted. The gal that wears the enchanted mask. She <laughs> works alongside Gwen quite a bit throughout these this story. But in here Bat Rock does some training with it with Gwenpool and then Gwenpool uh, ends up with somehow being part of Modoc's crew. And she ended up, well, what happened was basically she killed Modoc's best henchman. And so in exchange for killing him, Gwenpool got his position for now. But then there's a mission going on and Modoc sends everybody off but decides not to send Gwenpool. And Gwenpool gets called out by Modoc and he basically starts a bunch of stuff with her. It was fun seeing them fight, seeing what's going on. Uh, This was kind of the introduction to her friend Cecil in this one, his ghost form, I should say. I'm sure in the earlier issue episodes, we'll see the live Cecil, which I have to get number one through three sometime. 
But getting to see Cecil in here, how he became the ghost and all that was a nice little part of the story to give me some conclusion to what we learn in the later episodes. And then the other issues get in deeper with I think his name is Megatony. The guy that's the computer geek that works with her. Or get deeper in the storyline with her dealing with these alien squid type creatures. And these alien squid type creatures are somehow working with the police and all that. So Grenpool's got the squid people after her. She's got the uh, police after Modoc after, and she's got all kinds of people after her nowadays. Uh, the girl that has the eye mask on her, that's the terrible eye. And her real name's Sarah, but Everybody's used to seeing her with the eye on her face. So, in this issue, we get to see her a little bit without the mask. So, we get to find out a little bit more about her Sarah side of her. We get a little bit more stuff with Bat Rock in this one. And Gwenpool goes off. She makes plans for a whole attack on. On the squid people, and she sets it all up with everybody, and some things go wrong, some things go right, and a bunch of things happen, but we get a variety of these characters, and we get to meet a character that's kind of representing to be good and helping out with Gwenpool and the crew, but then as the story goes on, it gets a little little on the evil side, kind of find out a little bit more about things. His relationship with characters like Dr. Doom. And we get to deal with some issues with Dr. Doom in this one, in issue nine, and get deeper into what's going on with this other character also. So I don't want to ruin that either because that'll give everything away, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then the last one, I guess I can get this one in still. We got a couple minutes left before I run out of time here. But Suicide Jockey's number two. Suicide Jockey. Noun. Uh, description one A poor, usually drunk, almost certainly mentally ill sucker who fights monsters, robots, aliens, and anything else that ails us from the cockpit of a heavily armed and armored vehicle. The closest thing to er, uh, description number two is the closest thing this sad, monster-ridden world has to a superhero. Uh, this is... It's been so long since I read the first issue. I couldn't remember much of what was going on. But throughout this issue, we get to see some more of the crew from the original Suicide Jockeys. 
gang finding out that there is a way to save someone from the past that they've kind of broke up over and caused a lot of problems apparently that's why everybody hates everybody else and there's all kinds of conflict going on because of it but in here we find out there's a couple people that can't fly their machines and control their do their part anymore so we have a couple we have some replacements that come in and we get to see who they are and get to meet them. We find out uh, more about the ships, what they're going to do with those. If they get the gang back together. But yeah, this, this issue is mostly spent hunting everybody down, putting everybody together, trying to get something going. I'm looking forward to issue three because I'm hoping they get the gang back together, get the ship back together, and we get to see what this massive ship turns into once all the ships come together even though they had some that were broken but we find out some people modified them and fixed them up in the past and got them going so it there should be some interesting action in the next one so i'm looking forward to that but we're gonna end this here and we're gonna get back with some multiple sclerosis related type health talk things like that so we'll be back right after this okay we're back let's talk about some ms health stuff uh actually before we get into the ms health stuff so i i noticed just on my daily news today that justin thornton he was a mixed martial artist back in the day didn't have a great record but he fought uh, quite a, eh, a few, a good amount of fights back in his MMA, MMA history. But he ended up dying after a fight this weekend. Uh, he got knocked out only 18 seconds into the fight, but it was part of bare knuckle fighting championships which I'm not a big fan of just because of the head trauma. I think it's not good enough to wear gloves. Let's start a bare knuckle fighting championship for the people that can't fight in the MMA anymore. because They're getting older. They don't have what they used to. So they're not going to bring in the draw like they used to. So they want to still keep fighting. They go and jump into the bare knuckle fights or something else. And sadly, he got knocked out right away. So you don't, and they're sitting there saying that, oh, I know Dylan Kleckler, the one that he fought against, he put a posting Tuesday uh, saying that the cause of death was pneumonia, but I don't care what you say. The bare knuckle shit is just going to do constant damage to your skull, to your brain. It's not good for you, especially when you're older. 
and you're not that young spry guy that started out in the mixed martial arts, I think it's too risky. I think it's dumb. Dumb to get that deep into things. I mean, look at his MMA record, and his first match was a loss, second, third, fourth, fifth match were losses. I mean, and they were rough ones. I mean, granted, the first three were submission losses, and the fourth one was a round one KO, and... The third, the last one was a round one TKO, so that means he got knocked down multiple times before they had to stop it in the first match. He won his next two following matches. He won were the both TKOs in the first and second round. His next two matches were losses. Again, both in the first round, the first one was a TKO, the other one submission by guillotine choke. Then he has a win against Matt Hudson, which was a TKO, second round. Then he has five losses in a row again, where the first two are TKO, one's decision that went five rounds. Next one's next two are TKOs again, all first round TKOs. So that means first round multiple times being knocked down. Then he has a win with sub- submission, which is kind of surprising that he's a submission win in there. And then got two TKO losses after that within the first and second round. Then a TKO win. And then a TKO loss. <laughs> Then a submission win again. And then three losses, which one was a three-round majority decision. One was a first-round submission. And one was a knockout in the third round. And so that's a lot of head trauma. Then you're like, okay, I think I'm going to go into barrel knuckle fighting because... The gloves must have been getting in my way. If I go bare knuckle, maybe I'll do better. I I'm sorry. I just don't agree with this. This is wrong. I mean, don't your don't your corner men give two shits about you? These are your buddies, man. You work out with these guys. This should not be allowed. I mean, it should be. And granted, regulations have loosened up with a lot of things, and there's just there's not much you can about it you bring anything out there i'm sure if i have any followers someday a lot of them will be bitching that that's fine that's what he does that's what he likes to do forever tell that to his family and tell that to his friends the guy could just be sitting around shooting the shit with them having fun and just get some other type of job instead he's gotta get into bare knuckle i don't know that's just wrong to me Let's get into MS Health stuff, but first, before I get into what I want to talk about with that, I want to give a shout out to Bill. I'm not going to give his last name because I just I don't feel I need to represent on that platform. I I love it. the guy was great. He is he'd do Facebook uh, live postings. All the time, just giving a little few minutes about his day, putting a smile on everybody's face, 
talking about squash the bugs, squashing the bug. Uh, yeah, he was a good guy, and we lost him. He had multiple sclerosis, but he was a stubborn one. I we don't understand. We don't know. I, a lot of our symptoms relate to things that are out there in the environment, so we just assume that our symptoms are MS related, and that's what he did. He waited about four days, I think it was, to go to the hospital when he was dealing with symptoms, but they just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And here it was COVID. So he ended up in the hospital. He kept us up to date with daily postings and stuff and just sadly seen him deteriorate. And he was just, he didn't need to go through that. He was a very happy, wonderful man. Yeah. Going to be very, very much missed and remembered for many years to come. But yeah, here's to you, Bill. Hope you're always, hope you squashed the bug for good now. So you will be missed. All right. I just wanted to, since we talked about a comic book, that. Sat there with Dark Hawk talking about a comic that's uh, representing multiple sclerosis, and there's artists in there doing multiple sclerosis. So I talked about some other people. I know I mentioned a couple of them the other day, but like John Hankleton, he, he suffered from multiple sclerosis. Uh, for a while and he was having a variety of issues with it and he chose to end his life at Dignitas in Switzerland which is a, which is a place that will help you basically put yourself to sleep and not have to deal with pain and issues anymore and that's what he chose to do sadly and I Wish he wouldn't have chose to have done that. But the works that he did help out with before all this happened. uh, He worked out on Tharg's Future Shocks, which I've never heard of this. I'm going to have to look into this one more. Uh, It's a long-running season. Oh, okay. Long-running series, not season. It's part of the 2000 AD comics, so that makes sense. Uh, those have always interested me. I've read a few, but yeah, it's. And then there's Nemesis the Warlock. He he worked on the Third World War with Pat Millis. Uh, Rogue Trooper. And a lot of the work he did was part of the 2000 AD work. But I recognize some of these. Judge Dredd, which I love the Judge Dredd work that's been done. The Fear Teachers, Strange Cases, Skin Games with John Smith, uh, Heavy Metal, which is just like the 2000 AD st- works. He did a lot of work with he- Heavy Metal. Pandora, uh, Mean Machine, Trespass, Cycles of Chaos, Zombie World, which that one I've 
been into a hundred months. Uh, they're most, he did work up until 2010s. So the starting works were in the eighties. It looks like, but yeah, check any of those out. If you want to see what he did out, out there before he sadly chose to end it. And then we have, uh oh, that my page has changed around on me. Wonder what that's about. Okay, I hate when they spin things around. Uh, then they have Medicids in this book. It's written by Dr. Kim Chilman Blair and Ian Rimmer. Art by Steve Copter, Jane Straw, and David Acampo. Ryan's mom is a Taekwondo champion and Ryan's hero. With another championship almost in the bag, her arm suddenly stops moving during the final bout, and she is defeated. The doctor diagnoses multiple sclerosis, but Ryan doesn't really understand what is going on or how he can help. Luckily, the Medikids are on hand to take Ryan on a trip to Meadowland where they witness what happens to the body in MS and end up in the middle of a ferocious battle. How will they escape the attack from the body's own immune cells? Will they avoid being sucked up by the giant needle? (laughs) Join Ryan and the Medikids in finding out about how nerves work and how Ryan's mom can best defend herself from another MS attack. <laughs> I'm going to have to get that one. I never heard it. And I've heard of Medikids before, but I just never heard of that one that was put out in 2012, and that's this Medikids Explain Multiple Sclerosis Number 1. So that's something I'm going to have to look for in the future. Uh uh, I hate when all these stupid pop-ups have to come onto my screen. I didn't ask for that. I'm not registering, and I don't want to do this free trial, but it won't let me X out of it. So I guess we're just going to skip over that one. Thanks for not letting us enjoy any information on the Internet because you're stupid advertising. <laughs> uh, this just goes into women of comic books which yes they should should be acknowledged and represented but this today's talk is about people with multiple sclerosis and multiple sclerosis in comic books that I could find any information on but one of my favorites that I learned about the first one I really learned about in the comic industry is Taki Soma and you can find her getting, and she does have like her first MS treatment. They have a thing right up on that online. And then she worked with the Hero Initiative. Uh, it's like this summer after, and this was a while back, I want to say like 2010 or so. When this was written, it doesn't give me a date. After many years of troubling and repeating symptoms, doctor visits, and hospital stays, Takisoma was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. 
It was a lot of effort to get her diagnosis, as many of us know. Constant testing and doctors not listening. And then finally, oh, I guess you were right. Thanks. Could have saved myself a few years and a few thousand dollars and a few freaking tests and a couple million needles I didn't need shoved in me before I had to start on a medication. That's going to be a daily needle anyways. But yeah, by the time she was diagnosed, Taki could barely walk and was in severe pain on her left side. Same as me. My left side's my MS side. Uh, With an arm and hand that were curled up and useless. Which sucks when you're an artist. (laughs) It's not a good thing at all. But at least it was her left, so hopefully... I'm assuming she was right-handed. Because otherwise it would have probably ended her career for a while. But she kept going. Uh... It was decided, or an MRI showed nine lesions on her brain, as well as a large one nesting at the base of her brain near the spine, or or that pseudobulbar, or not pseudobulbar, yeah, I know what I'm talking about, the spinal orgasm (laughs) when you bend your neck, yeah. Right there is probably right where that lesion's laying, right at the bend, the crick of the spine. But it was decided we should take the most aggressive treatment as soon as possible, which makes sense. I mean, why did my dumbass first neurologist put me on? He didn't give me a choice. I knew what back then I wanted, Maven Clod, but uh, it wasn't in our country. Uh, instead, and he's like, oh, we're going to put you on Cobaxone. It's the most common one. And started out with the daily injections and thankfully eventually went to the every other day injections. But yeah, it's like, it's one of the weakest medications out there. Why start me on the weakest when I've been searching for years for help and I'm already progressed be, be way beyond the basics of relapse and remitting. And you're going to sit me on something that's good for people first getting diagnosed with relapsing remitting when I know personally that I'm beyond that. But no, I can't say nothing. Nothing just goes in one ear and out the other. So you got to take what they give you when you're first starting out. If you're in that type of environment and aren't smart enough to know to chew their ass out and tell them that you want something done the right way. But. Yeah, it's, but however, that treatment is very costly, even with insurance and is something she needs for the rest of her life. So to top it off, the bills for the many doctor visits, the three nights stay in the hospital, tests, scans, and infusions are piling up already. I know the feeling and just a week and a half in the Mayo Clinic left me with over half a million dollars in doctor bills. It's like, seriously? (laughs) Even if I was working, there's no way I'd make that amount of money. It's ridiculous. Big pharma charges for this shit. But they contacted the Hero Initiative right away, and they responded right away, and the Hero, Hero Initiative have been there for their family the past year, 
helping them that year, helping them out. And it's a program that she, her and Michael Oming support and back and work with all ever since. But yeah, it's, it sucks getting diagnosed, but yeah, deal with it. Yeah. Try and figure out what you're going to do, which way you're going to go about all this stuff. But Takisoma and some of her things. She penciled in a comic called The Invincible Iron Man, volume 4, four number 11, which I didn't know, so I'm going to have to pick up that one. Uh, and then my pages aren't working for me today. Sorry about that. Then she inked, and oh, she also inked that copy. So she penciled and inked the Invincible Iron Man, Volume Four, Number Eleven. That's, I believe, one of the newer runs. And then she's colored uh, United States of Murder Incorporated. Volume 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. She's been working with Michael Oming for quite some time. She's also the artist of Bitch Planet. She did that comic. And I believe there was... Oh, she worked... She did Rapture, Synergy... I believe she did herself writing and artwork, uh, then Bitch Planet, Iron Man, and that United States of one that I just talked about. But yeah, Taki Soma, she's a great person. I've listened to her on, in interviews and stuff and I enjoyed her work that I've read so far. I got more of her stuff that I still have to sit down and read. But, yeah, it's check out her work. See what you can find. There's a variety of it out there, at least. But Those are the artists in the comics I can find that had any relationship to multiple sclerosis. But it's not much, but at least there's something out there I have a kind of a layout for a comic that I've been had thoughts on for the past few years and that has a unique character that I think would be really fun to play around with for to represent multiple sclerosis but I'll never put it out there so unless I collaborate with someone in this new new organization I'm working with right now. I'm kind of thinking about playing around with some collaborations with other things. And if they go good, then maybe down the road, road if I find someone that has any type of background work with comic related industry, then maybe we'll get into something like that. But for now, it'll just be a thought in my books and I'll be the only one that'll ever know or see it. But at least I'll know the thoughts were out there for it. <laughs> but yeah, it's 
that's all we really have for MS and health stuff today. I just wanted to have fun talking about multiple sclerosis in comics. And it's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. Everybody wants representation for everything nowadays. Every ethnicity, every type of disease, every type of person. It's just creatures, everything need to be re- represented in some way, shape, or form in comics. Sadly, they aren't coming up with their own ideas, which it's not that hard. Just do it. Come up with a new character. Come up with a new idea. It's not like we can't add more characters. We have so many out there I never knew of that it's just ridiculous how many superheroes and villains that we have to deal with out there. But yeah, in this day and age, it's easy to get the representation done. It's like if you have any new original idea, which I, sh- <laughs> speaking of for myself, should be pushing it, but yeah, I just don't have the ambition to even deal with going all those contacts and all that shit right now. I'm having so much problem just trying to get my web pages figured out and stuff. So it's, <laughs> but if you have an idea and you want to do something that's original and it's unique and it resent, re- represents someone that supposedly wasn't represented in the past, which I, Still called BS. I remember stuff back in the 60s and 50s and stuff that I've read that represented people of all ethnicities and types. And I didn't see those people out there saying, well, I want more representation. I didn't see the people supporting those people. So if they didn't know about them back then, they're saying that we never had anything today. <laughs> then you obviously weren't paying attention in the past and you didn't give a shit until it became something where you could, you could monetize yourself off it or profit from it or do something about it. And that's, that's the sad thing about our industry. We went from a world that was trying to get together, try to work together, try to be together, try to all support each other. To a world now that is more segregated than I've ever seen in probably the past 40, 50 years. It's everything you turn around and see now is some type of ethnicity's group, some type of person's group. It's just, and everybody else is excluded from it. It's like, okay, well, that makes no sense. It's like, I get you want representation, but don't you want to make it in this day and age where representation includes everybody, but you're also the highlight of it, if that's what you want, which is fine. But I don't know. I guess I'm just a old, ignorant man that doesn't know what he's talking about but it's just it can it's very confusing to me every time i see something that says just us just this just that <laughs> it's like okay i i don't know i could be wrong i guess <laughs> i don't think i am but who knows i don't want to get deep, any deeper into that either that's just gonna bring me down on a day that i enjoyed talking about 
comics and MS. So let's see. Let's end this with some weird, weird news, weird facts, weird whatever from the past that I found. An albatross, which is that big bird that looking thing, has a cruising speed of 25 miles an hour while asleep. Yeah. They can sleep while they fly. <laughs> and I uh, hope they, I suppose that <laughs> it might be how birds fly into planes and stuff every now and then. All right. In Illinois, which is right next door, they had a law that a car must be driven with a steering wheel. So obviously someone drove a car without a steering wheel at one time. If he had ropes and pulleys tied up to his front axle or what, his or her front axle. In Tennessee, it's against the law to drive a car while sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the law in every state. In New York, it's against the law for a blind person to drive an automobile. I hope so. In Louisiana, a bill was introduced years ago that made haircuts for bald men no higher than 25 cents. (laughs) 25 cents shave and a hot towel. And in Kentucky, it's law that a person must take a bath once a year. (laughs) Uh, That's fun. All right. Yeah, let's finish off. I got one more on this piece of paper anyways. The deep sea anglerfish has an odd sex life. The female is the size of a tennis ball, has big savage teeth, and a rod lure off the top of her head which you may have seen if you play Fallout games, Fallout 4, <laughs> and other games. But it's got a glowing tip at the end of the angler. And it's to lure in the prey so they can catch it. The male looks like a black jelly bean with fins. And when they mate, the male bites the female's side drinks her blood, and gives her sperm. Their flesh eventually fuses together permanently, and they have found females with up to six males attached to them. Interesting. <laughs> so, that's it for today. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick the shit out of the monster. Pick up a comic book. And if you got multiple sclerosis, pick up one that's some type of... Multiple sclerosis connectivity to it. Check out Crimson Color Comic Club. Check out Under the Cull. We got the 200th episode coming up this weekend of Crimson Color Comic Club. So check it out, and we'll get back to you someday soon. <laughs>